In today's episode, I spoke with Cam Vanier. Cam is a photographer and videographer from the US, and we had long conversations over a couple of beers about culture, about what we want to photograph, what we want to video, what stories we want to tell, and how we should learn about other cultures, especially if we want to integrate into them. And so it's such a pleasure and a privilege to sit down from someone so well-educated and so well-traveled with very clear and distinct ideas of what he wants to show through his art. So sit back and please enjoy. Easy. Welcome, Cam. Cam Varnier, did I pronounce it? Correctly? You did. Perfect. You nailed it. <laughs> Welcome to the Mood Podcast. Thanks for being here. Man, thank you. I've got a bintang, a glass of whiskey, and cold AC. The pleasure's all mine. What do you prefer, whiskey or beer? Ooh, what day of the week is it? It's Monday. I'll take a whiskey. At three, <laughs> what, what time are we on? Three, 3 p.m. ish? Yeah, well, you know, it's okay. It's never too early. It, it's, it's 5 p.m. somewhere. No so. ice either. No And ice. we've just had an electric uh, cutout, so the fridges aren't quite cold enough. Yeah, but we the beer, what we can the beer works. The beer works. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Um, tell our audience about, you know, who you are, where you come from, background in photography, background in coming to Bali, and, and kind of how, how you are, who you are today. Yeah, um, man, how deep do I go? <laughs> how oh, far? That's what she said. <laughs> um, you can go as deep as you like, Cam. Ooh. I don't mind. I'm, I'm here, ready to receive. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm originally from Virginia Beach, Virginia, on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, my wife and I are, we're from the same hometown, high school sweethearts. And, uh, Aww. after, <laughs> oh, <laughs> cue the Oz. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, we had, we had just gotten married and, uh, we were in our full-time careers, you know, that we are aspiring careers at the time and, uh, just realized that we, we kind of, we hated what we were doing. We didn't, we didn't love where it was we were in life. And, um, we had this kind of with, without going too deep in it or into it, we, um, had this little reality check one day and uh we were actually on our way to go and uh register kelsey my wife for her master's degree and she was about to start school and we were at a stoplight and i said is this really what you want to do we were going to go and pay in cash you know we'd been working for this and it's like this is a lot of money is this really what you want to do for the rest of your life well you're going to pay in cash for the for the master's degree. for her master's wow. degree we'd been saving we had just paid for our wedding we had just paid for um, our honeymoon all on our own, just saving up as, as long as we possibly could and working hard for it. And we were going to go pay for this. And I was like, look, hold on before we, before we drop all this money, is this really what you want to do for the rest of your life? And at first, you know, she was like, how dare you? Of course, it's what I want to do. I've been studying this. And, uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> just like, okay, okay. Yeah. Straight to the yeah. defense. So I turned the music back on. We keep driving. I swear it was like two, maybe two stoplights later. She puts the car in park so you know she means business. Turns down the music <laughs> and she's like, no, it's not what I want to do. And so right there at the wow. time she was making these little YouTube videos, um, just doing like hair tutorials and stuff. You know, it was it was very early days for all of that. And uh, how she old was, were you guys at, the, at this point? I was, man, good question. Well, how many years ago were we talking about? This it? was probably eight years ago. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. And uh yeah. So, I mean, long story short, we, uh, I, I asked her, well, what is it that you want to do? And she was like, I just, I love making these YouTube videos. And I was like, sick. I just don't want to be here. Let's do it somewhere else. 
So we, we gave ourselves, we said we would give ourselves a year, save up, uh, keep that money that we were going to put towards schooling. And uh, we would take off and we would go travel and see what opportunities came about. Kelsey could keep doing her thing. And yeah, we would just kind of see where the world took us. Uh, so we made it three months <laughs> out of that year long plan and uh, just decided, man, this is this is just we need to go. We had the, the bug bit us and we just needed to get out of our situation. And so we left. We, we told our families we took off. We took the money that we had saved so far and and we left. And uh, right before we left, I actually went on eBay and bought my first camera. Had never picked up a camera before. Cool. Had no idea why I bought it. What was it? Um, it was a God. What was it? It was a Canon 7D, I think. Canon 7D. Yeah. yeah. That. Was it also called the Kiss 7i or something? Maybe. I don't know. I didn't know anything about cameras at the no, time. I, I can barely don't. remember which one it was. But yeah, I got that in, in, in a little GoPro. And we just started traveling around. And um, we took off and, and hit, hit a bunch of big snags along the way. We were traveling all around like Europe and South America. Um, then got back up into Central America. And at that time, we were uh, we were in I think we were in Costa Rica. And I was, uh, I had some people, so my wife's dad has like a surf and yoga retreat in Costa Rica. Okay. So when we made our way back up, you know, through Latin America, we stopped off at, at his place in Costa Rica and I was doing surf lessons for him. It was the first time I made money on the road. So I was doing these surf lessons and I had, uh, some people ask me to take photos of, of their surf lessons. And so I did, took some photos of them and I was like, whoa, I just made money taking photos. And that was my first experience with that. And then like maybe one week after that, I had this, this company reach out to me. We, we maybe had like, this was like the beginning of like, like, uh, like travel photographers on, on social media, right? Like it wasn't, it was very, very, uh, early in that Mm -hmm. whole realm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know that that was a possibility. And, uh, I had this, this randomly, I think we had maybe like 5,000 followers or something on, on social media. We had like a little joint couples account, super cringy. I don't talk about it. (laughs) Just did. (laughs) (sighs) It's the whiskey. Go check it out guys. It's, uh, is it still live? No, 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 no. (laughs) but, um, yeah, we, we, we put death to that real quick, but, um, it's almost as good as having a pet Instagram account. Yeah, know? exactly. I put it in the same level. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, I, we, we had this little account and I was taking some photos and, you know, cringy little follow me twos and stuff and putting them on Instagram. And, um, uh, I had this, this outdoor company reach out to me and, uh, they were like, Hey, can we, we make these hammock tents, hammock tent. <laughs> um, can we, can we send one to you? And I was like, for, for what? And they were like, well, you can just take some photos of it and we'll pay you. And I was like, what? That's awesome. I was like, you're going to pay me to take photos of this free hammock tent that you're going to send me. And they're like, yeah, it's like, okay. They're like, how much do you charge? I was like, I don't know, 500 bucks. And they're like, deal. I was like, what? And like, it blew my mind. And so at that very moment, I was like, oh my God, while we're trying to figure out like what we're going to do and find these different opportunities while we're traveling, I, it, this just hit me and it was like, oh my gosh, you can make money as a photographer. And that was kind of the beginning of that. And then as we, as we made our journey across over to Asia, I was dragging around surfboards for the longest time and, and wasn't surfing much. <laughs> and I finally told Kelsey, I was like, we, we need to go to Indonesia. I just, I need a surf trip. So she was like, okay, but I'm only going to give you two weeks. I'll give you two weeks in Bali and that's all you get. I was like, okay, it was always my dream to go to Bali just to surf. 
So we come here, we show up, and two weeks turned into six years, six plus years. And uh, from there, I just kind of started dabbling in different different types of photography and uh, did a lot of different stuff from from product stuff to portraiture to surf photography to fashion. Like I just jumped around to all these different things trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do and eventually kind of stumbled into the niche that I'm in now and yeah, we just never left. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> came what home. a cool story. Thanks, man. <laughs> and um, yeah, it sounds like you you went through a similar, not battle, but a similar kind of feeling out process that a lot of photographers go through. Yeah. And uh, in terms of you know, what kind of style do I want? What genre am I most interested in, but, but best at and most suited to? So if you were just to describe your, I guess, your style of photography or the, the mm. genre that you would fit in now, if you had to kind of pinpoint that what would you how would you describe it man what a question that's something that i've actually <laughs> i don't know I, it's it's hard to like pinpoint what it is that you actually like to shoot or you know what you like to shoot but putting like a label on it it's hard i guess i guess what it would be classified as is like i i i do a lot of cultural photography so it would be more like human interest um but i do it with more of like a photojournalism yeah, uh, with a story behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So photojournalism, but like a fine art side of photojournalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can people find you? I mean, we didn't even talk about that in the introduction. <laughs> I recommend everyone, obviously, watching this yeah. to go and check out your. Oh, in, thank you, let's man. say Instagram. I mean, that's where most yeah. people these days. We might touch on social media a bit later, yeah. but that's where most people will go to check out a kind of an unofficial portfolio of someone or have a quick view of of someone's work. So where can people find you? Yeah, on Instagram, it's just my name, just Cam Vanier. Can you spell it for everyone? I mean, it will be in the description, but just to (laughs) make sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's C-A-M-V-A-U-G-H-N-E. Yeah, okay. So in England, we would pronounce that Vaughn. Yeah. Like, actually with an E, I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The French made it confusing. Yeah, French <laughs> turned make everything confusing. Yeah. It technically has like a little accenté goo oh, at the does? end of it. Yeah, but I just so mixed you that. have French in your family. You have fr- I like do. A French back, uh, ancestry? Yeah, I, I I guess so. My my dad ran away from home when he was young and changed his name, and I guess he went back in like our family lineage and oh. found Vanier and brought it back. So yeah, cool. Yeah, gives it a little bit of uh, flair to 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 your name. I guess. I guess so. It it, yeah. it allows me to feel fancy. <laughs> and it's good that actually you, you that answer you said about your your style is refreshing because it's it, as photography evolves and um, I guess creativity evolves and social media platforms evolve or devolve depending on your stance on that. But it's become it should become a little bit more difficult to to pigeonhole your work. But even more so than that, if you're if you have a uniqueness, right? If you have if you have an original style or an original. I guess, way of capturing what you want to capture. Yeah. One of the questions I get asked all the time is like, you know, how, how, how do you find your style or should I do mm. this? Or should I, should I do travel photography or should I do landscape? And, or how do you differentiate yourself from the rest of the, the people that are out there that you see on social media platforms? And, you know, my answer to that is always would well, just be true to yourself. You do what you love. Absolutely. Otherwise you're never going to do it. So I think that comes through, well, it definitely comes through with all of your work because I think it's beautiful that you you can't label what you do. People put so much effort into having consistency across, let's say, their Instagram profile, which I I understand and I understand the kind of the strategy behind that. But Mm. if you're creating for art, not content, then 
you shouldn't you know that that becomes less of a priority and that's evident in 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 your work because it's it's thank clearly you. defined by how you love to tell a story wow thank you man that's that's a that's a massive compliment that's that's great i really appreciate that and yeah dude i i couldn't agree more i think that's something that nowadays with photography especially with this like era of I mean, we'll call it Instagram photography, right? Where this is where people are discovering photography now and, and you know, chasing after this. I'd, I'd say a lot of people are more so chasing after a lifestyle than yep. a and, and sure. art. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I've, I find so many people who it's almost like that question of like, oh, what type people almost define what type of photographer they are before they've even really shot anything besides what they've tried. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's, it's something that comes along, I guess, with this day and age. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's something that's like, okay, I need to classify myself as this so that I can brand myself this way so that I can get these clients and live this type of life. And so they do that so quick. And it's like, how do you, how do you know you want to be a landscape photographer if you've never shot portraiture? How do you know if you want to be a fashion photographer if you've never, and I mean, some people might come up in that and that's what they, you know, they know they want to do. But if you just first pick up a camera for the first time and decide you saw somebody that you like who shoots landscape photography and now you're going to be a landscape photographer and that's it. I don't know. It's something it's, it's, I guess it's different from how things felt before. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm too quick to judge sometimes yeah. better than I used to be. But, um, and I don't think it's something we, we can judge. It's just different. Like you said, it's just mm. a different way of, you know, if, the, if you're doing, if you're going out to start that as a business and as mm. to make money from it, then, you know, g- good luck to you. Yeah. But then sure. don't, but then don't try and talk about yourself in a, in a, right. in a different way. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 we had an intern in here last week and, and, uh, she was still feeling her way through, kind of what do I do? And I like, I like George Hammond and I like Matt Jacob and I like this account. And I like that account, all kind of different. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I said to her, like, they're brilliant that you're going mm-hmm. and you, you reaching out to me, for instance, and coming and just watching, observing or learning, keep doing that. And yeah. at some point you'll find, okay, something's clicked. Or yeah, I just sure. really, if you couldn't do anything else in terms of photography, what would you kind of come back to? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's nice. It's, it's really refreshing to, yeah. To, to see you and to have have that kind of um, that that take on it and and Thank all of you, the man. successful people I read about or watch or, or listen to or talk to s- successful in my mind and how I define success in photography like mm-hmm. they say they all say the same thing it's just like just do what you love and your pattern be proud of it yeah. try not to look at and I've been I don't know about you when you were starting but when I was starting I was like looking over my shoulder and looking at all these people and going, yeah. oh, they're doing better than I am and They'll always be better or better. Or they'll always be yeah. someone doing it better than yeah. you or someone doing it differently or more successful than you. Yeah. And they may not be as good as you in your mind, but they may be getting more attention or getting more money yeah. from it, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, yeah. but I'm going down a rabbit hole. No, man, that's great. I, I think it's, yeah, it's, you know, at, at the same time of what I said before, like it's also, it's also kind of a beautiful thing about like, I mean, the ability to find inspiration nowadays in this craft is just endless, yep. you know, and you can, when you can look to somebody, there should always be somebody who you're always saying like, wow, his photos are just, you know, they're, the, the, it's like something that you look towards, you know, you should have aspirations to, to, you should have inspir you should take inspiration from people, but at the same time, not let that, you know, silence your own creativity. Because if you want to be a creative and you want to do something creative, don't, don't take away the, the very root word of that, you know, like you have to be creative. You have to do what's, what's in your heart and like what you want to do and what, what, you know, makes you 
passionate, you know, but, but at the same time, it's great having so much inspiration. It's, it's, it's crazy. It really is. I mean, I never could have imagined that it would look the way that it does today, but it does. And it's, I would feel very daunted. I mean, I'm 40 years old and I still have doubts about everything, like every human on this planet. Of course. Uh, if I was 20 and starting out in, with with what's out there, and you're mm -hmm. quite right bringing that up because there's, there's, you could just go on any platform and mm. see, you could be inspired within five minutes. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, like if I was starting out now, I would be so overwhelmed. Like how yeah. do I get from here to to that guy, right. to Cam or to, to Jordan, whoever it is. And it would seem so far away. It, it would be just be like, oh my goodness, where do I, where do I even start? Like yeah. I can take one photo, but that's, you know, when you're looking at kind of making a life out of that these days and you have mm. to have one finger in, in about 10 different pies when mm. it comes to your own marketing, your business strategy, sales, just creating content, which takes up, you know, as you know, like so yeah. much time getting jobs. It's a like hustle. To, like it, yeah. it is, and getting inspired. And then you do all that and you're like, oh, okay, I'm doing all right. And then you might see something one day, yeah. like an image that is just blows your mind. You just go, oh, yeah. I'm never going to be that good or something like that. So I don't know what my point is to that. I guess there <laughs> isn't one. It's guess kind of a pessimistic view on it. But I guess if I, if I was, I, I don't, I feel not sorry, but I, I feel for, I feel empathy for, the young younger generation starting mm. out and and wanting to be i guess an artist or a successful yeah. photographer or or whatever kind of creative um sector they're in yeah uh it can be yeah it definitely can be daunting. yeah cuz there's just so much to look, to look at there's so many people doing incredible things and i mean yeah it, it's 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 wild i feel the same way and then at at the same time it's also it's also wild to see how many how how many resources there are now like that's changed wildly i never thought that you would be able to go online and sign up for a course mm. and get george masterclass or yep. somebody's you know nowadays you can you can look towards who you you're inspired by and get them one-on-one -on -one teaching you you know via like online coaching or however it is like the amount of resources these photography guys and these things that are coming out now it's making it like i don't know it's just it's it's so it's daunting yet resourceful at the same time. And I feel yep. like that's like something because you have so many, I, I, I hate using this word, especially in an industry like this, but it really is. It's true. There's so much competition now because of how many, how accessible it is. You know, you can, you can learn from your idols directly at, at any you know time. If you see somebody and you're like, wow, I want to take photos just like them. I guarantee you they've got a course or a masterclass or something that you can purchase and you can get into and learn how to shoot just like them, you know, and, and that's, and then you have 300 other people who signed up on the same day as you who are all learning from the same person and all looking for the same client. And you're all coming up and learning how to reach out to those clients the same way. The competition is thick. So it's like it's resourceful, yet the competition gets stronger. Should we just give up now? I know, man. <laughs> Seriously, I did a long time ago, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, let's well, let's pivot on to kind of your success yeah. and your the kind of how you know we talked about your history and how you came to Bali. Now, talk talk to me about you know your six years here. So you found your niche. And, you know, what you do, we talked kind of your, your genre and your style. Mm. How did it go from, you know, shooting, sh shooting uh, a hammock yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to, to where you are now working for who you work for and, and having clients? 
Um, yeah, I, so when we, when we first moved here, we were still doing, we were still doing like the couples type of stuff. Um, and with that came like a lot of like, like brand work and more like fashion related things. Uh, um, and then we kind of got into shooting for like some tourism boards. It's like that, at that adventure photography style. You know what I mean? Like, I hate using the term, but it's, it's very like, like couples influencer photography stuff. And I hated it. I, I, I hated it. I wanted to throw my camera off the cliff every single time we went to shoot somewhere and Kelsey hated it too. And we realized that we weren't having fun with that. And it was just creating stress in right. our life and, and, you know, our, our relationship even. And, uh, um, I just, I, we both decided that we needed to like not separate what it was that we were doing like entirely, but we needed to, she had creative visions of her own and I needed to support what she wanted to do and what she wanted to create and vice versa. Like she wanted to support me and the things and we both wanted to find what it was that we really wanted to create. Cause we, we lost that spark and, uh, not in our relationship, but in like creating yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, we were really confused, uh, for a period of time and it wasn't until, so I was doing some stuff, not only with, uh, with like the couples stuff, but every now and then when we would get hired by a tourism board or something, uh, we would go and I was just dabbling with taking different photos, um, of like people wherever we went or, or like events yep. and, uh, eventually, uh, actually, man, when was it? I'm trying to think of like a, Oh, easy. It was, it's actually a very pivotal point. Uh, COVID was when oh, really? it was, it was very, uh, we were doing that stuff almost all the way up until COVID. And I was still going around, like I was still doing, uh, a bit of that couples type of stuff. I was doing some fashion stuff. I was doing some surf photography. I was doing some landscape photography, just dabbling and everything, but not really finding like my own voice, I guess. And, uh, then during COVID there was this period where, I mean, the Island was empty and it was quiet. And it created a sense of um, community here where you could you could integrate in a way that wasn't accessible before with like the the amount of tourism that was flooding into this island year after year after year. And uh, I was doing a bunch of trips with the tourism um, of Indonesia, wonderful Indonesia prior to this, but doing it for more the adventure style content and uh, but taking photos, you know, um, uh, just of my own free will, you know, while we were on trips of, of people and situations, and, mm -hmm. but I would never give them a second look. They just sat on my hard drive. And then when COVID happened and, and the Island became so accessible and this communal, uh, um, energy started to build here where people were really integrating the, for, the expat community with the local community. It just really, it, it sparked something inside of me to where I was spending significantly more time, out in the villages and going as deep as I possibly could. I remember there were, there was one, this was probably it. There was one, one year where, um, the ceremony Galangon, it's like Christmas yep. in Bali, mm -hmm. um, for the lack of a better term. Uh, and there's this 10 day period between Galangon and Kuningon, right? So on Galangon, they put out the ponjours, those big bamboo things that hang over the streets. And that's what brings in their, their, their ancestors from the past. Mm -hmm. And they visit with their ancestors and they have this very, you know, like, like family, you know, high spirit, uh, for 10 days 
they they visit and they're it's it's this very you know like loving family atmosphere and then on Kuningan they send their past deceased family members back to the spirit world and uh during that period i just i i kind of i was going through a bit of a creative slump mm-hmm. and i was like i just need to leave i just need to get out of here i need to get out of town i'm going to i'm going to leave and uh, it was during a time when during COVID Galangon and Kuningan weren't super festive. It was more like, like, um, intimate. And, uh, I, I just took off with a backpack and my camera and told Kelsey, I'll, I'll see you in 10 days. And I just took off. I didn't book anything. I didn't plan anything. I just drove in one direction up towards the Northeast, uh, and ended up in a little village. And that night met a family spoke with them, hung out with them, went to their ceremonies with them on Galangon. That led to, oh, my uncle lives in this village. You should go check them out. They're doing this tomorrow. And then they'd be like, oh, our cousins over in this village are doing this. And I just went from house to house, sleeping on people's floors for 10 days. And uh, well, it started with 10 days. Then 10 days turned into 30 days. And I just didn't want to come back. And I just spent almost an entire month just bouncing around from house to house. And that like during that time I tapped into something within myself that was really just like, it's almost like I was looking for Bali and Bali found me yeah. and it was a really, and it made me connect to this place and gave me a new perspective on why I wanted to take photos and what I wanted to take photos of. And I guess that's kind of what, what did it. Cool. That's, that's a nice story. And, and I think uh, inspirational for a lot of people who uh, certainly in COVID experienced either life-changing events or a completely different mm. perception on things or got after a new opportunity or or didn't. Mm. So um, there's a cool story. So that was, so you were kind of four years into Bali? Does that, oh wait, COVID was two years ago? Maybe yeah. three years ago. So yeah. yeah, three or four years in doing bitty jobs until you kind of found your group. When was COVID? COVID was 2020. God, I love yeah. being able to say that. It's in the past. Yeah, well, <laughs> Keep it there. <laughs> kind of, what's yeah, going on with China at the moment? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, goodness. Yeah, if, if, if that's happening, lock it down. I'm okay with that. Let's just not let that <laughs> go everywhere again. You're fucking right. Um, yeah, man. Uh, it was a, uh, it's a crazy time. <laughs> so, yeah. So, COVID was kind of your um light bulb it was pivotal it was pivotal and i I think it was for a lot of people hey like whether it was i mean in 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 whether it was a positive sense or you know i mean not everybody had the same conditions the same situations we were certainly blessed to be in this place bali seemed like were you here during covid no oh man i almost feel i almost feel bad even like (laughs) even saying this but it, it was it was i couldn't have i couldn't have imagined a better situation to have experienced that period of history. This place was. Would uh, you tell us about it? Because we we all had completely different experiences. I mean, one thing that, although the world was so disjointed, polarized, and separated yeah. through COVID, yeah, the one thing we can all have in common is it yeah. affected us in some way, absolutely. Or Whether good, bad, different, absolutely. One big thing, loads of little thing, whatever. Mm just people's mindset so mm-hmm. talk to us about you know how obviously your 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 groove started to kind of um take take shape in in covid but what was it like in bali specifically yeah because I, I traveled a little bit in indonesia at the end of 2020 and beginning of 2021 when there was still like testing still and still yeah. still restrictions essentially yeah 
But interesting, you hear you say that Bali was amazing place to be. It's I can totally imagine like place. yeah, no, not many tour- no tourists. Right? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I like it was it was everything I would imagine life here <laughs> in like the 1960s would have been. You know, when there was a small expat community, very little. Um, obstructive influence you know it was it was very uh the air was clean (laughs) yeah it was nice we didn't have planes flying overhead it was quiet um there were parts of it that were obviously it was difficult and every you know there's there's parts of covid that um it was i mean let's be real it was very difficult for the island it was it was really hard on the local people but in that it provided the opportunity for the expat community to step up, really step up and prove their integration and their, their positive intentions for integration. And that was something where everybody kind of came together and formed this community where it was like, we're in this together. And that was something where, yeah, right when COVID started, obviously our business, just like everybody else, it took a massive hit. And, um, uh, but everyone's intentions were like, okay, we need to figure out how, while everyone was thinking like, holy shit, what's going on? Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to make money? We're all just here. Like, like what's going to happen? Um, there was also this strong sense of urgency towards like making sure your neighbors were okay. Everybody was, you know, like everybody was looked after, which is kind of the communal aspect of Balinese living in itself. You know, yeah. when you live within, your Ketchi Montana within your Bonjar or your Desa specifically, you, there's this, there's this, this, um, uh, uh, social structure where you can always, you know, no matter where it is that you're working or living at the time, you can always go back to your village. You can always go back to your Desa and your Bonjar will take care of you. You'll have, you know, they'll, you'll at least have rice. You'll at least have, that's why they do the little things like collecting, you know, 2000 fees, when yeah. you, go yep. park and stuff like that. These are the things that the Banjar helps with. And so just for people who don't know mm-hmm. Bali or Indonesia, Banjar is, is essentially a, a village and a Banjar is like your localized. So technically it's, it's the, you have the head male of every household within a Desa, which is a village. Um, uh, it makes up the Banjar. And so if you're the head of your household, you are a member of the Banjar. And that collectively makes up like the social communal government Mm -hmm. for that village in itself. So they have their own, you know, um, their own, it it could be like their own traditions, their own, their own, uh, um, laws, even like not necessarily laws, like on a federal sense, you know, but like they have their own way of doing things. Yeah. We have uh, in Babakan here where the studio is, um, Pat Kelly. And if you're watching, hello, mate, he keeps messaging me, bless him. We we have three three banjo three members of banjo and um, the head he came to our launch party you, you probably met him mm. uh, he keeps messaging me have I, have, I, have I told you this like he keep messaging me like twice a day a couple of times yesterday he came by um, last week just out of the blue we were shooting here in the studio and so we were upstairs there was no one downstairs and uh, Fee came running up he's going Matt the, the banjo's here Kellyan's here and uh, I was like, oh God, something, you know, we're still quite green in, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the community and we've only had this for a few months. So I was like, maybe something's wrong. <clears throat> and I went, went down and he was just sitting in our leather armchair, just chilling out. Yeah. Like, not, he just came in because he had a ceremony it. to go to. He was a bit early yeah. and he was just chilling out. I was like, yeah, great. Gave him a beer and we just hung out. Can't speak, you know, we speak a tiny little bit of Bahasa. He speaks yeah. a tiny little bit of English. Yeah. But there's definitely something 
there. Yeah. And then he smelt. Fee and I wear the same perfume. It's unisex. Uh, <laughs> he smelt that on us, and um, it's ombre nomad. And uh, he was like, "What is what is that perfume? I love it." So Fee came in, he sprayed it, and there's a point to this story. Uh, he he was like, I, "I want it. It's really nice. Where do I get it from?" And um, he's messaging me to this day. Keeps messaging me like in a nice way, and I keep telling him, "You can buy it online. Here's the link." And yeah. then he'd get a message from that say going. Where can I get the perfume from, sir? You just gotta go pick like, him up. A I'm gonna have to just. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm getting the hint now. Like yeah. I'm just gonna have to get. But he's such a nice guy, yeah. and even you know, we'll hopefully next year be speaking Bahasa by then. Mm. But um, anyway, yeah. To, to your point, there's there's you can feel that energy, you can yeah. feel that community, yeah. and with you know six years here, I imagine. Okay, go back to COVID when you're saying you guys really got a little bit more integrated and yeah. a little bit more involved in the community yeah i imagine that just is such a nice feeling certainly being an expat. it was incredible yeah and i mean along with that it, it gave yeah like the, the sense of community finally where like the the people who were here and who remained you it, there was yeah just that feeling of like we're all in this together and we all we all need to you know come together and make sure that our our neighbors are all taken out you know taken care of you kind of that sense of social community like it of how of how they live their social structure it it um it's contagious and like when you're living amongst it and you're in a position where you're not distracted by all of the the hustle and bustle of Chengu and or Ubud or Uluwatu or these you know tourism conglomerates where you might live uh when all that's taken away it just leaves what was already here and yeah. you can feel that and it was this everybody took immense pride in like like okay we're going to come together and we're going to do this we all need to make sure that we have it whether it was like like foreigner to foreigner businesses or local to foreigner foreigner to local like everyone just came together and was was helped so there was already this this love this respect and with that also brought um when you would go out into the island and you would go out and take photos or go out and meet new people uh there was just this sense of it wasn't fear it was more like like you're still here i'm here we're doing this together like there was there it's hard to explain but there was just this this mutual respect this 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 love you know and um uh, everybody's businesses were were trying to do things to help, and that's that's something that was really great. I forget where I was going with that, but it's <laughs> no, I think uh, it's important to kind of um, hold on that a little bit because uh, you know one reason we moved here was just the the general undercurrent of friendliness and mm. happiness, certainly by the locals and mm -hmm. and definitely by the people, the expats who have who live here, who have remained yeah. here, kind of for the long term. Yeah, you can you can just it's such a nice feeling it's such a a great sense of well-being when you you just get a smile from every person you yeah. see on the street and there you know that there's that welcoming nature yeah and uh, you, you know you've, you've traveled all the road all over the world you do not get that in most places you no. just you just don't no. you are either marginalized you're ostracized yeah. or you you're people are too busy for you yeah. or whatever whatever the agenda of every every individual or group is yeah you just don't get that and it and it's and it's not just the way bali is it's it's their culture yeah it's it's as far as it's it's further, it goes further than bali obviously but yeah. this island is special yeah. in that and and i can imagine that only being a good thing when you're in the depths of despair of of covid and yeah. you're a tourist island and 
it's really nice to hear that actually was that a discussion you know was that kind of explicit okay guys we need to come together and what or was it just people just sensed that okay we we need to come together i feel like sub communities definitely came together in in their own ways you know like for us like we our our business completely changed like we didn't we didn't know what we were going to do and uh but we knew we had to do we had to do something new we had to pivot and pivot. Uh, yeah and we had to find some way of also making sure that that whatever it is that we did next was benefiting you know it, the local community and our community as a whole here and that was when we started our company Osri um which was like our uh we started making like leather camera straps and uh, journals and camera bags, um, just handmade. I, I had a few friends here who are leather smiths and we just started making products out of their houses. Um, so that employed them, it gave them something to do, it gave them a, a, a new business um, or work. And then we, we themed every single product after a different location that was struggling during the pandemic. And, uh, Uh, each time we used that product, like it would be a specific camera strap, right? That maybe like there's a, there's a village that used to rely on tourism. So our, our very first one was the Agung camera strap and it was based off of Limpo Young, which Limpo Young is a very famous, the, the gates of heaven, you know, where you have a gung in the background. Um, uh, that area, that village suffered tremendously because they put all of their their eggs into the tourism basket you know 2019 that was like the loaded spot everyone wanted that mirrored image you know holding up their their girlfriend i've seen that about three million times oh god man that's all (laughs) yeah and uh so they they suffered tremendously so um i have a good friend uh he's the head of limpo young village and i went there asked him how things were going we made this camera strap and then from the proceeds of that, we went and did food drives and created a few opportunities for people in the village. And uh, so things like that, like everyone was finding their own, like that was just our, you know, approach to this, but everyone was doing things like that. Everyone was finding ways of like making sure even the local restaurants who were still operating, they were, there were so many people who were saying like, buy a meal, give a meal. You know, and, and doing like, awesome. like outside every single day, they would have these, these meal stands set up where people could come by and they would be packed every single day. People coming by and just giving out meals for every meal bought, there was a meal sold. And so everybody was supporting that and everybody was doing these things. And it was, it was, it was beautiful. And with that came this ability to then travel the island. I mean, it's, it's always there. Like we were just talking about it. It's so easy to travel. In, in Bali, it's so easy to do. You can literally, I've never been anywhere else in the world where you can just pick any direction, drive, get, have your bike break down in the middle of the jungle somewhere. Yeah. And you have nothing to worry about because yep. in five minutes, Putu is going to show yep. up. He's going to have your bike up on stilts. He's yep. going to have a bottle of Tuwok and a Nasi yep. Goreng ready for you. And he's going to invite cigarettes. you in to stay with him. Yeah, you're yeah. going to be smoking Gudong yeah. Garams, getting drunk yeah. with his grandfather yeah, yeah, yeah. by 8 p.m. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't, no matter where you are, yeah. like it's just Love this it. sense of safety and community. And um, I think that, I, that that was a period where I really discovered that was always there before. But it became very evident during COVID. And because the island was empty, you know, there wasn't tourism, there wasn't any, there wasn't that distraction. Um, I don't know. It it made things real. Everybody went back to their roots. Everybody drew back to their reverence and uh, their reverence, whether it's in like, I mean, in their traditions and their religious beliefs in Balinese Hinduism, which is a very beautiful adaptation of Hinduism, you know, Mm. and it's, 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 
it's just, it was a time when you could really feel that and experience that. And it's something that, man, I could only think that that's how it felt bringing it all back, back in like the sixties or something, you know, like when tourism was first there, the first expats, it was a really cool feeling. And, uh, that's definitely when, when, I mean, Bali was already a big part of our lives. We'd been here for three or four, three, three years or something. And, but after that, it was like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> this is home. Like these, this is, this is my, this is where I want to the, be. There's so much more to life than, than the, the rat race, the, the career mm-hmm. ladder, the, the money. I mean, all of which are important depending on your priorities. Mm-hmm. When you find a connection to, to people, to, mm-hmm. to a country, to a province, to an island, to an area, mm-hmm. and to a culture, most importantly, you just can't put a price on that. And you um, you know, I'm very envious of, of you. you know, I know we'll, we'll get there at some point. And we, we, we're working harder some days than other days to, to make those connections because sometimes mm-hmm. you just, you know, it's like you said, the, tour, the, the tourist distraction is, you know, we, we've been those tourists. We know, but yeah. um, fucking hell, like, just fuck off sometimes. Like, <laughs> go away, but also leave your money for the locals. You yeah, know? exactly, like, exactly. It's just, yeah, but yeah. That, I, I think that's the same anywhere. That You know, we, yeah. we've we've lived in enough countries to know that yeah. um, tourists can be uh, a, a difficult distra- yeah. distraction. So and I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily a, you know, there's some people who might view that as like, like a pretentiousness, like when somebody is an expat somewhere. And I've had this conversation with people before where it's like, cause I'll do it for sure. I'll be like, like, Oh, like the tourism, like this, if the traffic's getting so bad and my favorite cafe is packed, I can't even get a seat. You know, like I go to the beach and it's just slammed with people, like all their dogs shitting everywhere. You know, like it's just like, you start to like groan a yep. bit, but there, I think that at the same time as that's like, there's this pretentiousness of being an expat and, and, and being here and, uh, and, and being protective, like, Oh, I think it's also a beautiful testament to, to what this Island has given people. And, and that you always want to preserve that, you know, I mean, this Island speaks to people in such a powerful way that they don't want to lose that. And they're almost protective of it. Yeah, you know but what the, I mean? the, the issue that, that I have is when you, you're out and about and it's not so much the traffic. It's not so much the, you know, the full place, you know, the amount of people so much because mm. you can always get away from that. Yeah. It's, it's when you see the tourists either behaving badly to, to the locals and or within protective. a local pre- premises yeah. or speaking to them or even mm-hmm. just on the road, like just maybe, you know, scratching a car or something and just driving. It's yeah. like, you know, that, that's really what, what yeah. riles me up. Yeah. Like you can have tourists anywhere and, you know, the, the, the respective government's going to deal with it in their own way. But, that you know that they seem to be here a little bit more they can be a little bit more disrespectful of mm-hmm. the culture mainly probably because they don't understand it or right. they're not educated on it or they yeah. don't care mm-hmm. or they've just come for a week's holiday to get their instagram shots and, yeah. and go home kind of thing yeah um obviously generalizing a lot there yeah. but you see it a lot we've only been here you know less than a year and we've we've seen a lot of it already since mm-hmm. kind of it, Bali really opened back up again in March April. So that that's what I mean. Kind of like if you're going to come, yeah. brilliant. Like yeah. the, Bali needs you way more than we need you. Yeah. But like, do it in a do it in a respectful Absolutely. manner. You know, Absolutely. there there are certain there there are to be, there are a lot of things here that you have to be mindful of and mm-hmm. learn about. 
before you come but i'd like to think that you should do that in any country that you go to or any place you go to like Always. you need to know the the cust the, the custom things to do here the cultural aspects that yeah. you need to be aware of mm -hmm. just the way things operate mm -hmm. you you know you don't you don't just go and step over an offering mm -hmm. you know you don't, you don't do certain things that that can be it's not so much offense it's not so much being offensive it's just being ignorant that really yeah really absolutely it comes with common sense as a traveler you know it's, of it's something that's like yeah yeah it man it 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 really grinds my gears gosh i feel like my grandpa saying that it grinds my gears oh <laughs> um, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i feel much older than my years yeah. <laughs> seeing um uh uh people who uh, like i've talked to people so many times who are like i've lived here for 15 years i don't speak a lick of indonesian yeah <laughs> that's something where i'm just like man that, yeah, that, that's no, not a few rights that's not a flex buddy yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like the, exactly. the the longer you've lived here and you're yeah. and you're not able to communicate that's not a flex homie like we were talking yeah, to awesome. um sophie at the yak magazine mm -hmm. wonderful wonderful lady and and she was an inspiration definitely for the way to carry yourself here she'd lived here for was it 26 26 years 25 26 years a long mm -hmm. time and uh fully integrated into the into the culture and and you'd like to think that after 25 years but like you said there are plenty of people who lived here that long or you yeah. know even two three years and they're still very much separated from yeah. from from the culture mm -hmm. um and there, there's very little excuse to, yeah to be honest. absolutely um, it's it's something that i've noticed has has tremendously I, I mean even just like bringing it back into photography that's tremendously helped me is that what we're talking about today? <laughs> I guess. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring it back in. Let's bring it back. Go. Um, there's a. Uh, I think there's something really beautiful about learning another language uh, beyond just like the surface level of it. It's. I don't think there's any. I, I, I had a friend who said this to me, and it stuck with me ever since. There's nothing that you can do that is as selfless, or holds more positive intent. Like there's. You, you, there's nobody who learns another person's language with a negative intention, yeah. right? Like it's, it's yeah. one of the most selfless things that you can possibly it's do. It's really interesting so, way of putting it. Yeah. So when you, I mean, like, if you think about it, you're, you learn their language so you can communicate with them. So you can express yourself to them so that they can express themselves to you. So you can better understand another human who comes yeah. from a different past yeah. Yeah. or, or Yeah. Um, and that's something that there's, there's never a negative intention attached to that. And that's, that's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it helps so much with things like, like for myself with, with, with photography, just being able to break down those walls and, and be able to talk to people and communicate. It makes them feel comfortable. And then all of a yeah. sudden it's like, there's not this weird situation of this boule sitting in the rice field, snapping photos of them. Yeah. It's like, oh no, this is a, you know, it's, it builds this this camaraderie this relationship already you've already met on even grounds you know you've already done done what you can you've taken the extra step to be able to communicate and understand them and that's it's something that i mean it speaks volumes to what what come the the output of of your photos and and what you're creating so it's yeah it's been an incredible i don't think there's anything better you can do man than, no, than I, learning somebody's language well and and to combine that with with an output like photography is yeah. extremely powerful. And, you know, if you're shooting, shooting people and not shooting people, <laughs> photographing people like you and I do, 
like it it's so important to if you're going to get a good portrait or whatever type of portrait that is if you've mm. got people in the shot mm. like you're gonna have to communicate with them somehow yeah absolutely. Uh, unless unless you're doing street photography right and you're yeah. just capturing people you know far off in the shot yeah um if if you're doing a bit more of the, the portrait startup work that we do then you, you you have to communicate you have to connect with them i mean you, you have to break the ice first you have to make them feel comfortable then you have to be able to communicate just with stuff about photography mm-hmm. whether it's if you're posing them or not posing them mm-hmm. or just basically what you're doing and what you want and then you have to go de- depth a layer down and mm-hmm. talk to them and connect with them in a way that you're going to get something out of that image absolutely yeah. so um yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's, it's really well said. Actually, I, I didn't think about language in, in that way. But yeah, we're, we're learning and it's... Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it, hopefully next year will be relatively fluent, but we'll see. So go, going back to Asri, I mean, I've mm. put an order in for a bag because it's so <laughs> Thank amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so that came kind of before you started you started getting deeper into the the cultural photography side of things that so was the, that was just that was after that was just after just after. yeah so like i i started really getting into it just before covid i would say like okay. was was um just just traveling around around indonesia to different places uh with the tourism and um kind of drawing that inspiration uh um and then during covid was when i kind of took my little you know sabbatical yeah. <laughs> from from normalcy and uh went off on my journey and uh that's when it really i think i started to find my stride you know it was like ah this is what i want to do i'm fascinated with this um and it just it made me just want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and then covid kind of got you know it it escalated into what it what it was and uh yeah that's when we were kind of like we need to pivot we need to do something what can we do and Osri was born. And then, so we started doing that and it was kind of more of like a hobby. Um, and, uh, I and was a way getting, to work with the locals, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a hobby in a way that we could give back. Yeah. Uh, we weren't really, we didn't think of it as like, a at first, like we didn't think of it as like, like of like a big business power move or something. No. It was just like, this is something that we can do right now that will, you know. And so that's, um, camera straps. Mm-hmm. messenger bags camera bags yeah, we have camera thing. bags camera straps uh like handmade leather journals we yeah, have um, the journals, yeah. then we started like a, a pet product company osri animals with like dog collars leashes stuff like that but yeah and um all of them have different initiatives that they give back to on the island um and then we have we have plans to hopefully expand it and and go beyond that i'd, I'd love to just find different places it, it it's a hobby right like i mean above all else it's it's a hobby i am not a business person at all. i'm not a business-minded person um so you well it's funny you say you're not good at business because um you know you you're here today and still standing essentially as a as a photographer videographer storyteller bag journal dog collar maker etc etc so you have you have a you know a very impressive array of things that you offer so <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, just on the outside. I'm glad it would say you're way. good at business, but <laughs> you know, to talk to us about, you know, as a photographer, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you're going to be a photographer, you have to have a an, a side of you that is decent at business because mm-hmm. you have to look after, you know, it is a business essentially. Right. You have photography and the art form and creative side of it, 
but you've got to pay your bills and, and yeah. buy food and stuff. So you, yeah. you have to kind of be successful in, in the, in the photography side of things, mm. however you might want to define that so that you can obviously make money. I mean, to put it all very crudely and simply, but yeah. So you have to have an element of, and this is what people don't, I, from my experience, people don't quite grasp, you know, when they're starting out as photographers, like, you know, there's one thing getting good images, however you might want to do that. There's mm -hmm. another thing being successful at it. So yeah. let's start by, you know, how would you define success in, in, in your world? Ooh, man. Um, this is, this is changed and evolved over time. I think, I think the more, yeah. I think the older I get, um, I start to, I, for, for the longest time, I, I'm just, I'm not a, I've never been, and this isn't like, a, I'm not trying to sound like, like, <laughs> like, uh, not a money guy. Yeah. But, but I've really just, ne I've never, maybe it was the way, like the family I grew up in, you yeah. know, I, I, we, money wasn't something that was like prevalent yep. and it's just not something that ever really drove me. I envy people who are money motivated people. My wife is now like, really? she has really, oh yeah, I, I really do. Because it's something that. That's where greed is born. It is, it is. But I think that I've, I've also met a lot of people who are, who are money minded and who understand the idea that the more money they have, the more good they can do. Uh, money minded is being different than being motivated by money. Okay. 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 Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Be motivated by money. You, yeah. you, I mean, I, I used to be motivated, motivated by money right. and, and my definition of success and yeah. nothing good came out of it. Yeah. Absolutely zero other yeah. than, you know, the the hierarchy of needs essentially and safety and security and food and you know and and holidays which are temporary and short-lived and yeah but that's it right like how many houses do you want like yeah. how many fucking ices do you want how yeah. many funds do not you want? fulfilling how, you know, how much cash is enough in the back anyway yeah that's probably could take up a whole different podcast yeah. <laughs> but um yeah money minded like yeah couldn't agree with you more to be yeah. more money minded that's so, yeah so that's Kels is like that I mean. is she she's 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 grown into being that way and it's something that i've had to really now i'm i'm like wow mm. i need to start really i've always been driven by what i want to do you know very as selfish as that sounds it's always like if i'm not inspired by what i'm waking up and doing every day then i'm 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 just not i'm not happy at all and and uh a, a lot of times i've I don't know. I've gone down little creative pathways or like rabbit holes where I'm not, I'm, I'm not making money, but it's, it's fulfilling to me, you know? And I think to me, success in this, in this industry is being able to continue, at least in my mind right now, it's being able to continue to do what makes you happy and create art, um, and put in and provide for your loved ones, you know, and also be able to give back. If you feel that sense of fulfillment, and for me, it's different for everybody, but for me, I feel fulfilled. My cup gets filled by 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 being able to provide for my family, being able to wake up and be inspired every day to create things, and by being able to fill other people's cup. I guess I guess that's how I would I would define success or my success at least um can i share that definition yeah <laughs> it's amazing yeah <laughs> and very inspirational as well you, you know you want to wake up inspired but yeah you know if, if you're inspiring people watching this for for a start no doubt about it and just it's refreshing for me and this is one one reason why i like photography and and i guess the art world is that 
you know, a lot of people aren't motivated by the money side or, mm. you know, they are obviously to, to satisfy, you know, supporting your family, mm-hmm. giving back, whatever it might be. But the first thing when they wake up in the morning is like, I want to go and create. I want to be inspired. Mm-hmm. I want to go and make art. I want to do what I love. And if money comes with that, then so be it. But yeah. I, I think they're, they're not mutually exclusive. And they, they, I think if, if you do what you're, what you love, people see that. Mm. Companies see that. Clients mm-hmm. see that. People, people respect that and are inspired by it. And so I think most of the, most of the time, certainly in the photography world, in my limited experience, if, if you find someone or you see someone that is so passionate about what they do, I've already met loads of people here, the same, similar. It's an incredible place. It is an incredible. That. We can touch, yeah. touch on that in a minute. Yeah. But if those people who clearly just, they just want to go and do photography, they yeah. just want to go and create something special that they're proud of. Yeah. Not that's going to get 10,000 likes on Instagram. Not right. that's going to, you know, sell a million prints or be featured in a magazine. Yes, that's, that's part of a business model that may surround their individual kind of quest. Mm-hmm. But, you know, seeing that and meeting those people, it's so inspirational and it's so lovely to see. Coming from a, we lived in Hong Kong for nine years and I definitely don't want to bad mouth Hong Kong. We, we loved it there every minute of it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's polar opposite of here. Yeah. You know, most expats there are, are money motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to Hong Kong to earn money, right. to put it simply. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we weren't that different from that, but it's, it's so refreshing here to meet people like you and, and people within similar fields, not worry too much about that. Well, mm-hmm. worry about it, obviously, and have sleepless nights every now and then, but. That's not their priority, right? The priority yeah. is just go and do what they love. And yeah. this is such a mecca for that. It is. You it know, is. is that what, clearly one reason why you've stayed here? You and Kels have stayed here. I mean, the Absolutely. community is one thing, the people here, but being able to do what you love and having the infrastructure around that to... to yeah, to yeah, man. Work. I mean, we, we, I think we, man, I, I honestly just say we got, we got really lucky. Well, we were blessed by... The timing of everything. I mean, it's, it's, it feels like, <laughs> it feels like divine timing. Like when, for, for us, when we, when we came here and we were going on our journey and we were looking for, you know, whatever it is that we were looking for, we were looking for home. We were looking for purpose. We were looking yeah. for fulfillment, you know, just to have a life beyond what we were living and, um, which was back then for sure money motivated. Like in my career back then, like it was just, that's, that's all. money to survive. Not money to, yeah, I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth. I don't yeah. know, but we, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely got a taste of, so like I was, I was working in engineering, um, and I was ch- definitely chasing paychecks. Like it was mm-hmm. something that, and I saw my life ahead of me and I was like, yeah, that's what I want. I want, you know, I, I, I want this and that. Or I want this, toys. That, I want that. that yeah. That and I step. hated it. I was yeah. also at like the lowest point of like liking myself. Yeah. <laughs> and when I had that realization, it was like, I got it. I got to split, Check out, kick yeah. rocks. What kind of engineering was it? Uh, so I started in mechanical engineering and then went into nuclear. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was, <laughs> sounds a lot more fascinating than it is. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was like divine timing almost because when we came here, that was kind of the, it was on the rise. Like it hadn't, it hadn't, it, it hadn't really started. Like the, really? the, the creative community was, Everybody kind of came at the same time. Like for example, we've we've touched on um, 
Jord a few times, Jord Hammond. He was my very first friend in the photography space. Very first. And, and, uh, Is we he actually, still your friend? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's actually like one of my best friends. Um, and somebody who I take a lot of inspiration from me and him uh, he's amazing. during the, during the, the whole COVID period, everything that I just said that I was talking about, um, we, we did all of that together. Yeah, it was cool. extremely like we spent and he'll, he'll attest to this. We spent, I spent more time with that guy dissecting this Island really? and, and building an appreciation for this Island than ever before. It was a really special time and I'll like, it was, it was incredible. And yeah, he's, 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 he's still to this day, one of my best friends, but it's crazy that like in this place. So they say like, um, I think one reason why we're really blessed is that we, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but one of the reasons no why I think we're really blessed living here in the space that we work in is that um, we're able to be surrounded by the people who inspire us the most. And it's such a, it's such a creative hub. Like I got asked this question, you know, God, man. What is in this? <laughs> I got, I got Keep asked, it flowing. Come on. I got asked this question the other day. Um, someone was like, oh, who are your biggest inspirations in, in photography? Other than and, me, what did you say? <laughs> top of the list. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I immediately, I was like, you know, it's, it's wild. Like my biggest inspirations in photography are, my, are the people who I'm very proud to call my best friends. And that is, that is 100% attributed to this place and, and being able, this place has brought so many creative minds together, uh, who aren't just, aren't just, it's, it's hard not to touch on this, but who aren't just, just pulling from each other and, 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 you know, using, it's not an inspiration. Like, like if I go in short or if I go and shoot with Jord or with my friend Josiah or with, you know, um, You've met like Jonas and these, like all these other creatives here. Um, if you, if, if I go and shoot with these people, we're all shooting something different. Yeah. It's like Jordan puts his drone up. I go and start talking to the family inside, you know, Jonas is outside looking at the mountain, you know, there's yeah. all these different, there's all these different like things that everyone's chasing. And at the end of it, we all come together and we're like, Oh, what'd you see? Or what'd you shoot? What'd you shoot? And we're showing each other and we're all like gaining. It's more like you're gaining uh like it, it's, it's like a contagious hype. You're like, Oh wow. Everyone's creating something different. No one's sitting over each other's shoulders. Just like, you also know, taking, taking time to enjoy each other's, yeah. Um, uh, process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's so Just inspiring. So yeah. like for me, the people who I look to as my biggest inspirations, they're my best friends. And that's something that I feel is such an incredible blessing to mm -hmm. be able to, they say that you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're spending oh, the most time with, with, if the five people you're spending the majority of your time with are the people who inspire you the most, how are you not going to feel motivated to create? You know, yep. that's, it's such an incredible, and I owe, I owe so much of that to this place. Yeah. This place is so special that it's drawn so many creative minds to come and, and build off of each other. And it's, it's motivating. It's, it's inspirational. Where do you think it's going now? I mean, you, you, you definitely see that here. The people, and I touched on it earlier, the people who've stayed here, expats, let's mm -hmm. say, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some amazing local photographers and, um, creatives who we've we've met even in our time here mm -hmm. but if, if i'm talking about people who've actually moved here um from overseas mm -hmm. such as us mm -hmm. and the people you're just talking about do you see that as um 
as a trend almost at the at the moment with with the, the creative industry i mean you've got you've got those kind of mainstayers the the jords and the onuses mm. and the, the cams and mm. the that that close-knit community which you know you could go for dinner one of the first dinners we went to is actually with with Kels. i don't think i think you were away mm. it's like 16 people there yeah I was like, this is amazing. That's a Wednesday a night. Yeah, but B is like, I, I, I can't talk to, you know, it's too many people, <laughs> which is, it just shows how close the, the mm-hmm. community is. You'd never get that. I mean, yeah. unless it's really specifically arranged for someone's big party or something, mm-hmm. you'd get that on like a Tuesday evening. Or does yeah. anyone want to go out for dinner? Yeah. Do you feel like that, the, the creative industry and I, I again i don't really love that word in terms of because it, it can mean anything anyone mm-hmm. can be creative in in any job or any kind of form of output but i feel like this place is such an attraction for you know the digital nomads the youtubers the 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 real artists the media production mm-hmm. individuals who mm-hmm. which is again on one side of things so inspirational it's um, it's so potentially um, beneficial because you can learn from each other. There might be some opportunities there if you're in, in in an adjacent field. Yeah. But is is that do you think a trend that is that is just not going to be there in Bali in five ten years time? Mm. Or are we now talking about Bali as being the kind of Asian hub for mm-hmm. for creators indefinitely? And why? Yeah, um, man, it's it's hard to say. It's it's really hard to say. I think for myself, I know the way that I would I would I would like to respond to that, but it's I mean, it's it's hard to be able to know what things are going to look like in the future. But from what I know of this place, uh, it's it's never going to lose what it is. I I just did a podcast last week with with somebody, and we talked about this exact same thing. Okay. Um, where they brought up the the idea or the the um the fact that uh there's a theme park looking to be built in bali soon oh really and uh aside from the fact that i put up this massive rant on on instagram about this and (laughs) woke up the next morning with a hangover like whoops (laughs) was shared all over the place (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um it wasn't too bad i was actually proud of it but um, you know, with with the growth with the growth of tourism here, it's it's never going to. And I would like to. I, I'd like to believe this. Like it's from what I know of Bali, the people here are so reverent, and uh, they've they've undergone so much change and so much influence already over the last. I mean, however many decades. And no matter but no matter what comes in here, the Balinese have always stayed so reverent. Have they? to their beliefs and there's something so I, I touched on this then when we were talking about this in that podcast where there's something here called the Trihita Karana and it's the foundation for Balinese life the Trihita Karana is the balance of uh, your relationship to God your relationship to family in your community and your relationship to nature there has to be this balance in all businesses, all homes. Like you'll see when you go into a traditional Balinese home, you'll see it now when you walk in. If you walk into a Balinese home, you know how everything is, it's like one bedroom, one bedroom, one bedroom, open kitchen, and in an area like a balier in the middle, right? That's a communal area and it's yep. outdoor living. Yep. That's why we have so much outdoor living here. Yep. Um, uh, and then there's always a, so that's your, that structure is your relationship to family. 
So you have your bedroom where you sleep. Rarely do people sleep in their bedrooms. They almost always are the in, in the, the middle. Yep. yep. In, in, in the communal area. Um, you have to have communal living. So uh, it makes it so that everything is, you have your bedroom, but you have to, your, your social living is in the middle. And then you have your relationship to God, which is actually first, which is your altar has to be on the highest point of your property. Yep. Ha- you, you have to have that. Then you have like your, you have a, um, a, a space in your home, which is like your family shrine almost like without going into the Balinese terms mm-hmm. of it. It's, uh, it's where a lot of times it's where your ancestors ashes are put where um, uh, artifacts from your your ancestors' life are kept. Uh, it's like a shrine to them and a shrine to God. And then the relationship to nature, there's always, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's always, whether it's dogs, cats, um, uh, or birds. So the reason why they have birds in cages in their homes, they always have a bunch of birds around, yeah. is the relationship to nature. So you have to have a garden space, some type of garden space with animals, any type of animal, like whether it's birds or it's dogs or cats. Okay. And then you have, yeah, so those are the three. That's the Trihita Corona. Everything has to incorporate this balance. So as businesses come in, as things are are introduced, um, they have to, they have to uh, incorporate these three things. Okay. And so because of that, that's something it just shows like the reverence no matter what influence comes in, whether it's a theme park or anything, it won't be the same as if it's put somewhere else. It's going to incorporate some essence of what Bali is. And it's always going to hold that. And as long as they stay true to that, I think that Bali will always be this place that it still is. You know, that's, it's the light that, that attracts people to come here. And, uh, it's what, in, in my opinion, it's, it's the source of like the create the creative energy. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. You have waterfalls, you have mountains, you have all these cool things, you know, and, and yeah, the people are lovely and yeah, there's so many people here who are, who are, who are creative, but I think what draws people here, there's just something really unique about this Island. And it, it, I I don't think that could ever, it's that light. And I don't think it, it could ever be dimmed by tourism. Uh, I think no matter what, they'll still find a way of maintaining their reverence. So speaking of tourism, Mm-hmm. Um, you, I know have done a lot of work for the tourism, uh, industry and the tourism board here in Indonesia and Bali. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of how your photography got into that, in that kind of sector and how you kind of got that work with them. Um, be good for kind of people watching this who, who are thinking about how to make money from it, how to mm-hmm. get jobs, how to mm-hmm. pitch. Do you generally put yourself out there or do you let kind of the the attraction of businesses come to you or how, how do you kind of work that? that Navigate that, that, that yeah. yeah, those waters. Um, I feel blessed to have come here when we had, had come here before uh, or we arrived in Bali at, at a really good time in Indonesia. Um, we had done a bit of work before, like I was saying, with with uh, with different tourism boards, more in like the the couples travel space. Yeah. Um, so when we first moved here, we uh, uh, we moved in with one of our best friends, uh, who was a very successful YouTuber, Lost LeBlanc, um, and we were living together at the time. And his uh, editor. Um, was named Backpacker Tampan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know totally Backpacker Tampan. In Indonesian. <laughs> 
Backpack <laughs> a tampon, not Tam- tampon. Tampan. Yeah. Tampan means uh, handsome in Indonesian. So it's handsome backpacker, not uh, backpackers. Who tampon. gave him that name? Did he give himself <laughs> he was that? He- soul, soul rights. Okay. <laughs> soul rights to that. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But um, he, uh, uh, I love you, Tamps. Sorry. <laughs> um, he, he got a job working with the tourism here in Indonesia and, and me and Kelsey had done a few jobs. Uh, I, f- I forget where it was that we did first, but we, we had a few jobs with tourism boards around Southeast Asia and Australia. Um, and when we came here, he, he had an incredible YouTube channel as well that he was kind of starting to work on after he stopped working for our friend Christian, who was our roommate. And, uh, um, he got this job with the tourism and needed some help. He pitched us. We we got on board with it and worked with them once. One time led to a second time. They liked what we produced the second time. They hired us a third time. Cool. And then as time went on, like I kind of started, like I said earlier, like I kind of started shooting my own things in these places we were going. And um, I would submit those things to uh, uh, the tourism afterwards. Like, hey, here's everything that we promise. Here's our deliverables. Uh, also, if you're interested, I also shot this and awesome. I, I sent them some stuff and uh, they they happened to like it. And I, I ended up over over the course of like a long period of time, I ended up developing a really good relationship with a lot of the the people who work in these agencies within the tourism board with like, like separate agencies. And uh um, I would get pitched for things all the time. I guess it was just like, it was, it, it, it was just being a part of the network, I guess, you know, I was there at the right time. I got, it, it wasn't anything like I didn't do anything spectacular that got their attention. And all of a sudden they, they, they like came after me and hired me. Um, but I will say, I, I think that, I think one of the best ways, if you are somebody who's trying to get into that industry, somebody mm-hmm. who's trying to, to maybe work for the tour, it, it doesn't even have to just be the tourism board. It could be anybody. It could be any big, you know, like, uh, uh, brand or resort group or a tourism board or, you know, it, a car company or an individual, whatever, or an individual. Yeah. yeah. It could be anything. If, if you're trying, if you, if there's somebody that you have in mind that you really want to work for, um, what I started to do back then is I would, I, I took the relationships that I had. Yes. But then I would go outside of that to, let's say like for an example, if I wanted to go to Nepal or something, then I would create, I would do the research and I would create a story and then I would deliver that story along with my credentials, you know, maybe one example of my work or something. And yeah. I would, even though that work might not have anything to do with what it is that I'm trying to pitch to them, I would still, I would put together uh, some type of, of an image of what it is that I had in mind that I wanted to create that I knew would benefit them. And I pitched that to them instead of like, waiting and like like hey hey check out my landscape photos that i have from this country do you want to hire me to work for you it's it's for me it was a much better avenue for putting myself in my own creative process out there it was like this is what i know that i can provide you and that provides a lot more incentive for them to then hire me and bring me on board so that was uh yeah that was kind of that that would be my advice to people who are trying to get into something like that whether it's it doesn't even just have to be the tourism board but with with anybody if you have something that you want to someone in particular you want to create for or something you want to do make it that's where that's that's majority of the work you know that's you you need to um when you have an idea put that on paper and then deliver 
your, your, your passion for that idea will shine through much more than your previous work. Yeah, and it might be something that they haven't thought of yet, which is, exactly. you know, you're doing the creative work for them, which, yeah. which you know, is, is invaluable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess there's so many approaches. Like, I, I could have people who, 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 uh, who come back at this and, and say, oh, that's not, how, that's not how I did it. I'd blah, 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 blah. This, for me, is what has worked. You know, you could, there's so many different approaches. Like I have so many friends who have gotten their dream jobs in through different avenues, but for myself, my own creative process, it's been very beneficial for me to pour my heart into an idea and, and spend my time really perfecting that idea and then pitching that idea because then like, I feel like maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe like the passion shines through that or, uh, and a lot of times you might get your feelings hurt. You might pour oh, a I'm ton sure. of time yep. into something and send it off. And they're like, eh. yeah, yeah. you know, they might not have the vision for it. Or maybe it just doesn't fit what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes your idea just might suck. Yep. You know, <laughs> 90% of my ideas probably suck, yeah. you know, and that's, but that's the thing is if you're, for myself, I get a lot of joy out of out of the pre-production process, out of conceptualizing an idea. Um, the research is what I love the most. Like I feel like in a past life, I would have loved to have been a journalist. You know, yeah. just because it's that's something I thrive off of. I wanna I wanna watch and I wanna learn and then I wanna create a story out of whatever it is that I'm learning because I get fired up about it. And then when I I put that together, it's like, oh no, I wanna make something. I'm gonna send it to everybody. You know, <laughs> who's gonna pay me to make it? <laughs> but it's uh there's a lot of rejection with it. But I, I yep. think if you pour your heart into ideas, I mean that's one avenue. It's one way of going about it. But that's the true essence of creativity, right? If you if yeah. you are a creative person and creatively minded certainly when it comes to photography or or something that's aesthetically tangible then um you know doing that creative process in that pre-production and it and it's you the first person i've heard they've actually kind of answered it in that way and i i love it and i i put so much work into my pre-production because hey i don't want things i want to plan for when things go wrong when we're actually doing the shoots or whatever Mm -hmm. it is but also like i really get excited about mm-hmm. you know and the more you research the more you put together then then you think of something else and you know, maybe we could do this and you have this nice kind of package like yeah. okay i know it's not going to go perfectly to plan but if it if most of it goes to plan i can at least sell it to to someone or have to collaborate with someone or just mm-hmm. for me i'm going to get that enjoyment from the final product because i've put yeah. all of this into it and i've got everything the way the way i want it so it's it's really nice to, to kind of hear that as a strategy mm. to because you, you know you see a lot of a lot of um photographers who get money for their work i guess a lot of them have if they have strong social media profiles they will get people coming to them and you know they they just have to make sure they keep putting good content out there which mm-hmm. is hard enough as it is but kind of that that platform is a strategy in itself right mm-hmm. it's kind of a self-made prophecy when it comes to getting getting business coming to you and there's there's a got to be a crossover there with followers or the, the 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 amount of engagement you get on your account where it's like okay i'm doing all the work and i'm putting everything out there and then there's a crossover where you okay i'm big enough now where it's yeah. the other way around i get people, people yeah. come to me so it's really nice to hear that 
okay that's that's definitely a part of of your business model mm-hmm. business model but your 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 photography model yeah strategy but strategy yeah. but it's not the the be all and end all and you you know the essence of your strategy is just creativity and okay mm-hmm. i've got an idea yeah. how am i gonna put this into practice and hopefully get get some money from it mm-hmm. so it's nice to it's the best part about it, man. And yeah. I think the more that you do that, it, it shows through. Like, I mean, the project that I'm currently working on, it's, it, it, it came through me, me doing that for a while. And then somebody, I, I don't have a large following on social media because I've never really, it's not something that has ever really driven me. Um, I mean, I'd be, I'd be lying. I'd be stupid if, if I said that it's something that I didn't think about or I didn't put time into because everybody does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never good at it and I wasn't interested enough to put the amount of effort that needs oh, to be put into it in order to be successful with it. I have friends who are so successful on, 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 on their social media uh, platforms and I look at the work that they do and everything that they put into it and I'm just like, God, dude, God. I, I respect it. It's not something yeah, like, I don't amazing. mean this is like, like, oh, I don't do that. No, it's you know, it's skill. more like, oh, holy yeah. shit, man. Like, teach me. Like, I, yeah. I wish I had that. Do it for drive. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I wish I had that. But <laughs> I had to find other avenues, you know, because mm. that wasn't my forte. Yeah. It wasn't something that I was good at. It wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing. So even for people out there who, and I've, I've talked with people about this before, for people who are like discouraged by social media, there are other avenues other than social media. Yes, social media can be a powerful tool. It's not the end all be all. It's definitely not. Um, but then again, at the same time, it can, it, yeah, like I said, it's a powerful tool. But do what you love, do what you're good at. And do what you love, do what you're good at. You'll, you'll find quickly, and I'm similar to you, like I'm, I'm okay with social media, but I, I don't have the willingness yeah time i mean you can make time i have willingness or just skill yeah because it's it's it is a really like good skill to have and i wasn't you know i'm I'm much older than you i wasn't really this is not an excuse but i wasn't necessarily brought up with it so it's yeah i've you know since i was 30 30 i guess and i was i wasn't on instagram for so long because i just didn't like the concept of it yeah and then didn't you know, learning a whole new thing like and yeah. the algorithms change all the time it's like to keep up with all of that is you can either do that well mm-hmm. or you can't and i think yeah. it's the same with anything it's like do what you love do what you're good at but just rank them accordingly yeah like absolutely you no one should say and if you if you say social media shouldn't be a part of your photography strategy i think that would be wrong yeah, like absolutely. it has to be an element of it for sure. But you rank it accordingly to whether you're good at it and whether mm-hmm. you love it. Some mm-hmm. people love it and some people are brilliant at it, and yeah. like that should be your main, you know, source of business essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what got, you pursue in life in general, you know, I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's trial and error. Yeah. So you know, just to kind of round things up, it's good to touch on the what you spoke about earlier about your current project. I mean. Mm. I kind of know what it is and it's extremely fascinating. I think we could probably do a separate podcast in itself <laughs> on it, but because you're going to do the hard work for us and, and creating the, the, this amazing docu-series, documentary, mm. um, t- t- tell us about it. and, and what Yeah. Uh, so right now I'm just, I'm, I'm working on something that it could end up being a feature length documentary series. I don't, I don't know where it's going to go okay. yet. I was given kind of an open platform to, to create with it. And, uh, it, it looked like it was going to be one thing in the very beginning. And that's, that's like with anything, you know, it, it changes over time. 
Um, but right now, uh, I'm just, yeah, creating, uh, um, individual episodes that follows the history of the Buganese pirates and sailors and the Panisi vessels that originally sailed all over Southeast Asia to Australia to continental Asia and kind of pioneered the, the maritime industry on this side of the world. Yep. And, um, it's a very, very interesting story that i never knew anything about until i was approached with this okay and uh when 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 it got brought to my attention i started doing a a ton of research as i do i'm just i'm a i'm a history nerd the second something seems appealing i just watch everything that there possibly is to watch on it a lot of research dive into it yeah yeah a lot of reading a lot of watching a lot of consuming um and i get obsessed with something and uh now I, we're we're gonna see where it goes, but uh, yeah, we're I'm just um, I'm doing uh, a, a documentary series on this. So, so the Panisi boat. Tell us first of all about the Panisi boats, because mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure a lot of people don't know what they are essentially, mm-hmm. and then go into just brief history of of the boogeyman. Yeah. So uh, the the Panisi boat, it's, it's something that, I mean, you'll, you'll see like if you've ever, if you've ever researched a trip to Indonesia and seen these live aboard ships, you know, it's these amazing looking pirate ships that sail all over Rajampat and the Komodo Islands and, uh, yep. North Maluku and all these areas. Um, uh, so the Panisi is actually just a specific rig that, that goes on these, these big sailing vessels and, uh, back centuries before uh, Captain James Cook ever landed on, you know, Australian shores. Uh, these, these boogie people of South Sulawesi, um, these Makassan people, they, they, they developed this, this, this sailing rig. Um, and this is way before like Europeans were sailing across the spice trade. Like they, what century are we talking about here? We're talking like 13th, 14th century. Okay. Um, they had, developed this 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 sailing rig to be able to make it across from South Sulawesi to Northern Australia. And they recently uncovered these cave paintings of uh, these these Panisi boats that were only developed on these three main beaches in South Sulawesi, Bira, Ara, and Tanabaru. And uh um, they put, you know, they, they started going back in history and doing DNA testing and they realized that there's so much cross DNA between the Northern Austra- or the, I'm sorry, the, the Aboriginal Australians from like Arnhem Land and the Northern Territory and the Makassan people in South Sulawesi. And, uh, so they've uncovered that, that they had developed this trade. Yes. Like, like centuries before. Australia was ever colonized. And then once the Dutch and the Portuguese and the English started to travel the spice trade route, yep. uh, the Buganese, these people um, from South Sulawesi, they started to uh, resort to piracy. So they would they would invade these, these trade ships um, and later became known as the, what we know now as the boogeymen. Or the you know the the classic saying beware of the boogeyman that's yeah. that's it's where it came from we've yeah. talked about this and yeah. it's it's uh um so when when that when that in itself got presented to me like that's yeah. that's literally how it came to my attention they were like oh yeah do you know where the boogeyman like the term the boogeyman comes from and I was like I was like no and they told me I was like holy shit like and I started just researching and was like oh my god i want to i, I want to talk about this i want to do something with this i'm in cool. sign me up <laughs> can't wait to see it when yeah. when do you think it's going to be completed and how oh. do we how do we watch out for it 
Um, so the, the, the first series of mini episodes are going to go up on, uh, a YouTube channel, uh, called Panisi Armada, P-H-I-N-I-S-I Armada. Um, and that should be within the next couple weeks. Cool. Uh, those are going to start kind of coming out like short four to five minute episodes. Uh, and then hopefully we'll have, we'll have a bigger stage after that. We're just trying to. You know, as we go through the process of trying to tell this story and uncover this history, because it's something that really hasn't been dove into properly. Like, this is something that it's been really hard to even find. Um, it's 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 been hard to find any 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 um, documentation about because it's it was a point in history that's just so it hasn't been well documented. So it's it's been and a lot of I think a lot of. Uh, I don't even know if I can speak on this, but like, I don't know whether it's something that was intentionally kept out of history mm. um, because it is a dark past. Yeah. It's a very dark point in, in, yeah. uh, in Indonesian history. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these Bougainese pirates who would invade these, these Dutch trade ships, they were, they were nasty. fearsome. They were nasty. Some of the most fierce pirates in history. And that's what I'm starting to learn and uncover the more that I go into this. And it's something that's definitely not, it's not taught in Australian schools. It's not taught in, you know, in the Netherlands or in European schools. It's not taught here in Indonesia. So, um, yeah, the more we uncover, the more it's starting to seem like, a there's some juice there. <laughs> oh, man, we're looking forward to hearing it. And, um, we're looking forward to hearing and seeing what else you, you put out there for us. So Cheers, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Um, yeah. I, we, we kind of leave with, with one question to the guest as mm. you know, what one question that you would ask the next photographer that, that comes on. Can you, can you think of anything that you, you would want to ask, um, the next photographer that comes on the podcast? Oh, Who's put, coming on? Put him on the, I'll put him on the spot. Who's, who's right, coming you, on? No one knows. <laughs> Who is it? No, that's, if you knew, that would bias your, your question. <laughs> um, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, when are we going to shoot? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Let's go explore. The Bali community. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah, it's been an absolute you, pleasure. Absolutely. Cheers, Cheers bro.